Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of divorce and remarriage, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in a previous broadcast, I spoke about Exodus chapter 21, verse 10, where it says that a woman would have the right to divorce her husband in the event that he did not provide her with certain things. The Lord said that the husband is required to provide his wife with food, clothing, and marital intimacy. That the Lord recognizes that a woman will have certain physical needs, that our God created us with the need to eat, with the need to have clothing, and in some circumstances, the need for marital intimacy. And because of this, if a husband is failing to meet the physical needs, the physical desires of his wife, then his wife would have the right to divorce him. Now, this does not mean that she would have to divorce him, if they're having problems acquiring food or clothing, or if he does not meet her physical needs in a relational sense to the extent that she probably would prefer, this does not mean that she has to divorce him. It just means that she has an option, that the Lord does not require her to be in a relationship with someone who is not meeting her physical needs. And, of course, the purpose for this is to allow her to go free so that someone else might be able to meet her physical needs, or perhaps she needs a little bit more freedom and so that she can meet these needs that she has on her own. For example, maybe for some reason she would be able to acquire the food or the clothing that she would require in the event that she was not with her husband. Maybe that would be the case. I don't think that that would necessarily be the case at all. But what I'm explaining to you is a situation whereas if she leaves her husband because she has a desire for a certain degree of intimacy with her husband, but he is not able to provide her with that, to stay in the marriage means that she's not going to have that intimacy. To divorce her husband and to be in the condition of just simply being divorced will not change anything about this situation. Just because she divorces her husband doesn't mean that in his absence through a divorce that all of the sudden her desire for marital intimacy is somehow going to spontaneously exist. What this means is, is that she is free to marry another, to obtain another husband, to join together with another man who may meet the needs that she has fulfill the desires that she has for the marital intimacy that her previous husband failed to provide her with. Now again, I'm explaining to you what the law says in Exodus chapter 21, verse 10. 
But my purpose in doing this is not to say, okay, ladies, if your husband is not fulfilling your desires to the degree that you want, now you have an excuse to leave your husband. That's not why I am saying this. I'm saying this because there are circumstances where people feel so desperate, per se, that they feel it is necessary to leave their spouse and engage with another. And so if this situation begins to arise, make sure you end the marriage before you begin a new one. Make sure that you do that. Otherwise, what you have is the definition of adultery. Do not engage in an inappropriate relationship and try to justify it by the desires that you may have in the flesh. That is definitely inappropriate. The Lord has made a provision so that in the event that a person is unable to continue in the relationship that they are in, continue in the marriage that they are in because of these physical issues, then he provides a way out. And the purpose of this is to be merciful. It is not to give you an opportunity to try to get an upgrade, if I was to use that expression in a crude way. This is an opportunity to see that our God is merciful and that he does not want us to live in a marriage that puts us into a position of suffering in this context. For example, consider 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9. And I am going to be talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 7, but for now, just consider verse 9, where Paul says, But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Talking about those who are unmarried or those who are widows. He gives a declaration that if people are burning with passion, that it is acceptable for them to marry, to get married, because that is the proper relationship that two people should have in the event that they are going to engage with each other in that way. That it should be done exclusively within the boundaries of marriage. But you see, here's the problem. A husband and a wife are together. If they are married and they got together because they were both burning with passion, and then it turns out that one of the members of that marriage, either the husband or the wife, are continuing to burn with passion. In other words, the marriage doesn't deal with this issue, probably because of the ability of the other person. If that is the case, now what? Now what's your situation? Marriage was allowed for various reasons, and this is one of them, so that people can enjoy this kind of a relationship with another person, but if it's not going to be there, well, then do we tell them, well, I'm sorry, but, you know, this is it. This is your one chance. This is your marriage. This is your spouse. You are going to have to live the rest of your life dealing with this in some way. Whatever you do, don't think about somebody else. No lusting, and definitely don't engage in any adultery. This is what people end up with. And so what people then have to deal with is that they were in a situation before they were married such that they were struggling. Then they get married, and now they find themselves in a situation where they are enslaved to a circumstance where now they are now going to permanently deal with this issue. This is what people teach. This is exactly what people teach, what people believe. 
that this is life, that this is the way it's supposed to be. And I'm telling you that based on Exodus chapter 21, verse 10, the Lord said, no. He said that if it really is that kind of an issue, if that is such an issue, if that is causing such pain and suffering within a spouse's life, then let them be free. Let them be free so that they can be married and engage with a husband or a wife in the way that God created them. That is the point. And unfortunately, people use this in an inappropriate way. They use this in such a way as to say that the desire for marital intimacy is evil. It is sin that if you want to do such things, then you are defiled then you are evil in some capacity. That yes, the Lord, he did give us these desires because he created us. We'll admit that. But if you want them to be fulfilled outside of these boundaries that we allow, even though they're not going to be fulfilled within those boundaries, you know, at that point it doesn't matter because there's something else that supersedes this. That's how people deal with it. And they will say that a person is going to have to suffer for the rest of their lives. And people generally... Do not do that. Eventually, a person will leave the relationship, either secretly through adultery or they will do so overtly through a divorce. This is what normally happens. And then they feel condemned because of that, not realizing that in Exodus chapter 21, verse 10, the Lord made an allowance for such circumstances. So I will tell people, I'm just saying this in general, that if you can find a way to stay married, Even in this kind of a circumstance, if you are unable to find a way to overcome this, then I have to say that the Lord makes an allowance for that. It's necessary for me to do that, but please be sure about this. Talk with the Lord about this. This is an issue between you and Him. Be at peace with your God at any cost. Now, my point in saying that again is that it is expected that you will remarry. That's the idea. That's the purpose. And this should also show you that remarriage is not evil, that there's nothing evil about remarrying, even if it's driven or motivated through this desire. Now, once you are married, you know, marriages can often be held together to a certain degree through things like this. But honestly, I really believe that it takes a lot more than just this in order to have a good marriage. And so please be aware of that, that whether you have a lot of this or a little of this, marriage is much more than just this. This is something that a mature person should recognize. But of course, having said that, these programs are not about marriage. They are about divorce and remarriage. And so this is the limit concerning where I will deal with this subject, just to the degree of understanding that it is an issue when it comes to the subject of divorce and remarriage. You know, when people look at it as something that is either evil or if a person has no desire for such things at all, which there are people like that who have no desire for such things. There's nothing wrong with that at all. But what I want you to understand is that sometimes in marriages, one of the spouses, either the husband or in most cases the wife, either way, one of the spouses will have no interest in such intimacy. 
for whatever reason, and it could very well be quite often, it is a result of previous abuse that took place when they were growing up as a child or something like that, or other personal or relational trauma. It just simply has no appeal because of previous circumstances. That's quite often the root cause of such things. But even if it's not, I want you to understand that this can be a very destructive problem within a marriage. This can be a very serious source of destruction in a relationship between two people. When one person looks at the other one who has a desire for such things, and they look at that person as if they are evil, as if they are dirty, as if they are wicked, as if they are sinful because of such awkward, undesirable things from their point of view. And this can be a source of serious problems between two people in a marriage. And this subject should be discussed. It should be dealt with whenever people talk about marriage, what is a marriage, and how people can relate to each other in the midst of a marriage. But instead of doing that, what I'd like to do is follow through with the usual consequences that occur when this happens. And that is that one spouse may actually commit adultery under the pressure of such desires. And I said before that this is, of course, inappropriate, that this is not an appropriate way of dealing with such desires, that if this problem is so serious, you need to end the marriage. But some people, they just don't want to end the marriage for whatever reason and instead want to try to do this and get away with this in order to find some way to stay in the marriage. And that is not appropriate, folks. You cannot use adultery as an excuse to stay in a marriage. At that point, it's definitely better to end the marriage. But there's another dynamic that does take place sometimes between individuals that makes this problematic, and that is that the spouse who has no such desire for such things, they may not want to be divorced. They may not want to get divorced. And they may use all kinds of theologies or religious points of view in order to explain to their spouse that under no circumstances can they be divorced, especially not for something like this. I mean, if it's something like this, then that definitely says how horrible of a person you are that you would dare divorce over such reason, regardless of what the Lord has had to say about it in Exodus chapter 21, verse 10. Don't bring up things like that at that point. It doesn't matter. People often want to stay married for other reasons, that they're not married for the same reason you're married for. You may be married because you were burning with desire or passion, and this was one of the motivating factors as to why you would want to get married, and they didn't marry for that reason. They probably married for other motivating factors that you both shared, but this is something that they don't share, and so they will look at you and say that you are evil for the suggestion of wanting to divorce because they don't want to be divorced. They don't want to divorce you, but they don't want you to commit adultery either. And so this creates a very awkward dynamic between two people, a very awkward dynamic when you have one person who has serious desires that makes it very difficult for this person to function in a healthy way, and this other person who does not. When the two people stay married and an adultery occurs, when a violation occurs of some kind, the spouse who has no interest in physical intimacy may still want to stay married, even in the circumstance of adultery. 
Now, I explained earlier that this can be a very good thing in the sense that you want your spouse to overcome this and you want to participate in helping them get through the issues related to sin. But in this case, this probably is not going to happen. In fact, in most cases, this does not happen. There still is no interest in participating with their spouse in an intimate way. In fact, it becomes even more diminished but they still do not want to get divorced. Why? Because this was not a reason why they wanted to stay married anyway. It was not that important to them anyway. So whether the spouse commits adultery or not, the marital intimacy is not something that they desire, and so the violation through adultery is not going to be that significant as it would be if the spouse did have a desire for such marital intimacy. So this is what happens What happens is that you have a new kind of relationship that can be described as abusive. There is a new form of abuse that can develop by the spouse who has been offended because they now have leverage to use against their spouse. Leverage in various ways. For example, they can say, now listen, you committed adultery. I know you committed adultery, and me and my pious attitude, I'm not going to divorce you over this adultery, because it's not that important to me anyway. You know, that marital intimacy stuff, I don't really want to have anything to do with that anyway, and so it doesn't really matter to me from that point of view. But it does matter to me in the sense of the reputation that I might have in the event that I get divorced. People will look at me as an adulteress, or they will look at me as a failure. So I don't want a divorce because I don't want the consequences related to being a divorced woman. I may enjoy your income. I may enjoy the house that I'm in, the cars that I drive, the ability to spend like I do. I may enjoy other things about our relationship, and I am now going to use this as a way of saying that you need to continue to supply me with these things because you owe me, because you did this, you owe me. I now have a form of leverage over you. In fact, I'm going to remind you of this as often as I possibly can whenever I can slip it into our conversations. I'm going to find some way to make sure that you're continually reminded of this adultery that you committed. And this can also apply to other things like abuse in the physical sense that maybe a husband beats his wife for some reason, if only for a moment. You know, wives will use situations like this, they will use sin that their husbands commit, and those things are without question sin, no question about it. I'm not saying this in order to give any justification for it at all. I'm saying this in order to say that there's no further justification to capitalize on somebody's sin and use that as an excuse to be abusive to them in a different way. I have to say this because it happens often enough that it needs to be said. I don't hear anybody talking about it, and so I believe that it needs to be said, and personally I think this is a good place to put it. I believe that this is a very important dynamic that takes place between individuals in this kind of a situation that people don't want to talk about. They live in fear. They live in terror. Yes, husbands who have sinned, wives who have sinned against their spouse, they live in terror They live in pain. They live in a state of abuse because they are trying to repent. They are trying to continue the marriage, but the spouse uses this as a way to continually beat them, beat them to no end. There is no end to this for some reason where something may happen 
And then 40 years later, 50 years later, you've got the wife telling the husband, you know, you beat me 50 years ago or you committed adultery 50 years ago. And you got the husband doing the same thing to the wife. You know, you committed adultery 50 years ago or you stuck me with a fork here. Look, here's the scar 50 years ago, you know, stuff like that. And they use that as leverage in order to explain to their spouses that their spouses need to behave exactly how they demand because their spouse is evil. And they want their spouse to be continually reminded of this until they are dead. Yes, that's the attitude. The attitude is, you commit adultery against me, I am going to make you suffer for the rest of your life. Do you want a divorce? I don't want a divorce. Why would I want a divorce? A divorce over something like this? I don't want that anyway. That's the attitude that people have. That, to me, is a violent attitude. A violent attitude that responds to violence. I understand that. But it is still an inexcusable, violent attitude that will hold a person in bondage for the rest of their lives. There is no forgiveness. There is no mercy. There is no opportunity for repentance. And I will tell you, I will tell you quite boldly that I do not believe that our God wants us to live in a relationship with someone who is devoted to causing pain in our lives, devoted deliberately wanting to cause pain in our lives to hurt us, to abuse us for the rest of our lives and will not allow a person to move on with their life, to get past something like this. If you commit adultery, at some point, you're going to have to get past it. And if people will not let you get past it, then they are not relating to you, in my opinion, as a spouse should relate to you. If you hurt them, that can very well be declared to be wrong. If a husband hits his wife, if a wife hits her husband, things like that, there is no excuse for that whatsoever. That's true. But there is also no excuse for not permitting a person to overcome that, not permitting a person to get past that not permitting a person to build a life after such a thing, to get through that, to work through it. People will use this as leverage in order to abuse other people and feel fully justified in being mean and cruel to other people. And that, to me, folks, doesn't sound like a marriage. I wouldn't call that a marriage. Now, of course, what would be a marriage is a subject that needs to be addressed, and I'm not doing that right here. But if you are a person who is divorced because you committed adultery or because you beat your spouse or you sinned against them in some other way and they were unwilling to accept that and they divorced you, you sinned and you deal with that. But you deal with that and then you move on with life. In the event that a divorce does not happen, It can be very difficult because of the spouse who has been offended. It can be very difficult to ever come to the end of that. And that is a great concern. And I believe that the Lord has provided us with an opportunity. He has provided people with an opportunity to leave their spouse without the fear of condemnation for any reason in order to allow people to live in peace. I really do. 
And this to me is the description of a circumstance that many people live in and a circumstance that many people no longer live in but do have a memory of. So regardless of your situation, if it is related to this, this is the one thing that I really want you to pay attention to and to remember. And that is that our God is a God of new beginnings. He is. He is a God of forgiveness and He is a God of mercy. We are in this world and we commit sin and other people are in this world and they commit sin. There are plenty of hard hearts around us. But the Lord is merciful and He provides us with a way to have a new beginning. Always. He always provides us with a way. And so I don't encourage you to pursue such a thing. But if it does come to that point, then make sure that you establish that landmark moment in your life where you do begin again. But what I want you to consider is the fact that if a person is determined to begin again, then that is a clear indicator that they do not want to live in a relationship with somebody else that is inappropriate, either in an adulterous relationship or in a relationship with somebody who is determined to cause pain and suffering in your life. And so please understand that there are people who recognize sin for what it is. They are remorseful. They do desire repentance. And this should not be used as a weapon against them. You see, in order for a person to use it as a weapon to hurt somebody with, that person has to recognize that they have sinned. If you want to abuse someone because of their sin, then they have to be remorseful. Because if they are not remorseful, they are not going to care if you remind them of what they did or if you demand something of them because of what they did or whatever you do, if you threaten to expose it. You know, if it isn't important to them in the sense that they recognize fully that this is not how they want to live, if you can recognize that, then I believe you can relate to this person in a different way. And if you are this person, then yes, there may come a point when you will need to end a relationship because that relationship will not allow you to get past a sin that you once committed and that you want to put out of your life. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net you